You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Happy Hanukkah and welcome to the Jewish Matters podcast. Hanukkah is a holiday where we celebrate the triumph, the overcoming of adversity, and the affirmation of Jewish life and of the Jewish people in Israel. I'd like to share a story that uh, really represents this idea. Uh, Natan Sharansky, one of the great heroes of the Jewish people from the 20th century to today, uh, was in prison in the Gulag for nine years. And when he was in the Gulag, he fought to live his Jewish life. He was thrown in there because he wanted to come to Israel and wanted to uh, make Aliyah. And Hanukkah time came around. So the other prisoners, most of whom were Jewish, some weren't, knew that he wanted to celebrate, and they helped him get a piece of wood to carve out a menorah, some candles, matches, and they put it all together and lit the Hanukkah candles. And around the sixth and fifth, sixth night, the prison guards started to come by and take down the names, a list of the people who were celebrating. And they knew there was trouble brewing. So the next night, he gets called into the warden's office. And he's told, you cannot do this anymore. The guards say, we are suspending. They take away the menorah. And it's over. But Sharansky was not going to take it uh, lying down. And he declared a hunger strike. And at this point, the Soviets were terrified that he might die in prison. Uh, world opinion was very focused upon the uh, the resistance, the uh, uh, Soviet Jewry movement. And so the warden called him back in and said, look, you know, we can't have you doing a uh, a strike, a hunger strike. And by now it's the last night of Hanukkah. And he says, well, um, that's fine, but I have to light my menorah. Then I won't, uh, I won't, I won't do fast. And he says to him, uh, I can't have you do that. We already t- made this rule. It's fire hazard. Uh, you can't, this isn't a synagogue. And he said, okay. So Sharansky was willing to compromise. He said, look, I don't have to do it in my cell in front of others. Bring me my menorah and we'll light right here and the hunger strike will be over. And so the warden agreed. And they brought in the menorah. They cut the candle up into eight pieces. He brought a candle. He said, I need eight candles. They cut it up. And he was about to light. And he says to the warden, you need to cover your head. <laughs> so the warden put on his hat. And they said, answer Romain after the blessings. So he made the blessings. Uh, God has commanded us to light the lights. God who did miracles for us. And he added in, in the blessing, and who will bring our enemies down and get them to, uh, to free us and to... Uh, to allow us to affirm our Jewish right to move to Israel. And the warden answered, Amen. So that was the story of Sharansky's triumph in prison on Hanukkah. Now, there are two parts to the Hanukkah story that we're going to look at. There's the story of the Maccabees and the military victory over uh, the Greeks, who are really Seleucid uh, Syrians. And the second part will be the menorah and the celebration of Hanukkah. So let's talk about the story. The background is that the Jewish people were under uh, Seleucid rule. After Alexander, the Greek empire split into three, and the Syrian branch were known as the Seleucid Empire, and they were ruling Israel. 
and the uh, Greek uh, strategy for ruling over empires was to export their culture and in that way to acculturate the people so they wouldn't rebel against them. So they would feel at home being part of the Greek empire. And there were many Jews who started to acculturate and those Jews pushed their agenda. And they, uh, through corruption, took power of the temple and the position of high priest. Uh, the people were incensed. They started civil disobedience. And then when they heard that the new high priest who had bought his position had raided the coffers of the temple, uh, they demonstrated in the streets. It became uh, more aggressive. The Greeks sent out, uh, solicits sent their troops in. Jews were killed. Uh, they fought back. And as so often is the case, they hit us where they knew it would hurt, and they made laws to restrict the practice and observance of Jewish life. And so they outlawed the Shabbat, they outlawed circumcision, they outlawed Torah study. And the traditional Jews who were in Jerusalem fled to the hills. This was the turning point where you were either on one side or another. Either you're on the side of Judaism and affirming Jewish life and having to uproot themselves and flee and, uh, and uh, practice clandestinely in danger, or you stayed in the city and Jewish life was being snuffed out. Or you were Hellenist, but the, those who stayed invariably would be drawn into that, uh, into that sphere. So Judah uh, Maccabee and his, his father, Matasyahu, Matthias, and his five sons fled to the mountains. And the Greeks sent troops after them in the mountains, in the caves. And um, they brought them to the village square. And they would force the leaders to bow down to idols or to eat non-kosher. And Judah and his son and his brothers would not take this uh, passively. So when the, uh, the Greek legionnaires came in to enforce this, they drew out their swords from under their cloaks, killed the Greek legionnaires, and fled further deeper into the mountains. And they called, sent out a call saying, who is on God's side? Come to us. The same call that Moshe had made after the golden calf. And they started to assemble uh, a resistance force. And it got larger and they trained more and they would do uh, attacks on the guerrilla attacks on the Greek army. And in the end, they actually built up an army of 10,000 people. And it turned out that Judah Maccabee was a master strategist and general and a brilliant military mind. And the battles were 10,000 against 50,000 and they were succeeded. They were victorious battle after battle. And of course, they were part of the, uh, the believers. So they saw the divine hand in their success as well. Uh, but in Judaism, we believe that we are partners. We have to make our effort. And so they trained hard and fought hard. And in the end, by the end of the war, four out of the five brothers would die in battle leading their troops. But before we get to that, uh, they did succeed in retaking Jerusalem. They retook the Temple Mount, which had been made impure. And uh, we're probably familiar with the story. They repurified the temple and reestablished the service in the temple. And strove to relight the menorah. However, 
they needed pure oil. It was only one jug. And it would take a week longer to get new oil. And that one jug lasted for eight days. That one jug lasted the whole time. And so uh, in the face of that miracle, there was great celebration and the holiday of Hanukkah was established. Now, as we said, it would take them another uh, years and years before they finally kicked out the Greeks completely and the four brothers would die. But we celebrate Hanukkah on this day, the 25th of Kislev, when the temple was rededicated. Now, what's curious about this story is, and here we have the merging of the military story and the, uh, the menorah story, is that the lighting the menorah was not crucial, was not critical to reestablishing the temple service. So why was the miracle done over the menorah? Now, in Hanukkah, we do not light a menorah. We light a Hanukkah. The menorah in the temple was seven-branched. Ours is eight to commemorate the eight nights of Hanukkah. The menorah in the temple represented seven, the day of spiritual completion. But most importantly, it represented God's light and the light of the Torah. If you think about it, light is the least tangible of physical manifestations in the world. We see it, but we can't touch it. Uh, It's ephemeral. And yet, a little bit of light brings darkness, uh, brings light, a a tiny candle can bring darkness to an entire dark room. So it's the power of the spirit. That is what it represents. Uh, There's a teaching that says the light of God and the candle of God is the soul of man. It represents the the divine soul within us. And so the menorah being reestablished represented the victory over the Greeks. Why? Because we fought our military battle not to have political independence. We didn't have that for 150 years before. We fought it for our spiritual lives and our beliefs and our Judaism, standing up for our values, the values of righteousness and not power, the values of inner qualities and not external bling, the values of pursuing a life of service and giving, and not being focused upon oneself and one's personal pleasure and status. Because the Greek culture that they had acculturated to was not the Greek culture of Plato and Aristotle and of the great democracies and of um, science. It was a, this was 200 years after the golden age of Greece. This was a second hand Seleucid Greek culture, which was now third hand exported to uh, Judea to this uh, to this colony, and so it was a uh, uh, Hellenizing agenda of uh, materialism, of hedonism. The story is that when they um, uh, took over the temple, the uh, the temple leaders established a gymnasium at the base of the temple, and so the young Kohanim would run down the hill and would go into the gym instead of serving in the temple, kind of like in Hebrew school, when you used to cut and go play football in the park. But the gym wasn't just working out. It was the worship of the body. And there's some who even uh, had procedures to reverse their circumcision aches. Um, so uh, it was really um, a, uh, a culture war between this Greek hedonistic materialistic culture and the Jewish culture of Torah and godliness and spirituality. And so 
that's what the right the lights represent to us. They represent the spirit of Judaism. They represent the divine soul within us, and they represent the hidden light of the creation. We're told that the original light that God created was hidden away when God first created light. Then he separated light from darkness. That light of separation is not the, the ultimate light. And we believe when we light the Hanukkah candles, we're accessing a dimension of the light of creation. And so it's a beautiful custom to sit and to meditate over the candles, to watch the beauty of the flames flickering. And the ideal lighting is with olive oil, like the menorah in the temple, and it has a beautiful uh, yellow hue to the light. And it represents uh, bringing light into the darkness, the darkness of the nighttime, which represents our vulnerability and our inability to see. It's, it's bringing light into the darkness of winter. We're at these long, dark days when we kind of start to feel down. And it brings darkness. It represents bringing light into a world of darkness focused on materialism, whose pleasures are passing and fleeting and don't really satisfy our soul. And in an age of COVID, when so much is closed down and people's lives are disrupted, and even though maybe it helps us to pause and think, it causes a lot of destruction, uh, disruption and disconnection. And we need that light to uh, rejuvenate our inner souls and to give us strength to get through this difficult period. So in Israel, uh, Hanukkah represents standing up for our Judaism. And those of us who live here, there are efforts we have to make to live here. It's not an easy, it's not a safe neighborhood. And uh, we pay high taxes to be able to defend the country. Uh, children serve in the army. And, um, and the challenges of living in Israel. They, they, uh, and for those who are outside of Israel, uh, on campus, Jews are now uh, pariah. Uh, Jews have become targets. And there's the challenge of also assimilation of uh, losing one's Jewish identity in a world uh, open to everyone. So Hanukkah was a time when they rededicated the temple. It's a time for us to rededicate ourselves to our spiritual values, to make efforts to share the light, to bring the light within us so it does not diminish. And um, the shamash, that little light, uh, it can bring light to an entire room of darkness. And the other beautiful thing about uh, light is when you share it, when you light, the shamash lights the other candles. It itself does not be diminished because we believe the world of the spirit is a world of giving. It's a world of bounty, of expansion. There's no zero-sum gain. It's always win win when we take the path of light and the path of the Torah. Happy Hanukkah to everyone.